can we welcome Pastor Joshua Hallmark to move student ministry for the first time? Thank you very much. Ugh. My man Kobe's gone, dude. That's hard to watch. Um, <clears throat> but to be honest with you, I, the first thing that comes to mind is like, Someone who's so passionate about basketball, and honestly, somebody who's, you know, capable of making a film like that, um, who just in, like, I don't know, what was that, for like five minutes maybe, I just, it, honestly, it just turns my heart back to the love letter that God has written you. Like, this whole thing is a dear Kobe. This whole thing is like, uh, I, I gave my life, I'll always be that God. It's funny, like, like the same way Kobe talks about, like, I'll always be that, that six-year-old kid with the, with the rolled-up tube socks playing with a trash can with five seconds left. God's saying, I'll always be that God, even if I took the form of a man and died on a cross. Just know. Just know. You know? That's good. Okay, let me pray, because I'm going to start going off. I'm going to cry, but I'm not going to do, do it just yet. I'm not going to do it to you. Let me pray, and then you can have a seat, and we're going we're gonna to have fun for a few minutes. Jesus, thank you for uh, Move Student Ministries. Uh, man, I just have to believe that there's somebody in here who probably didn't plan on being here tonight, who probably doesn't care about anything I have to say, and that's okay. But I pray for the hard heart in the room. I pray for the, the person who thinks that their calling is limited to Bernalillo, thinks that their life is limited to high school, thinks that they have to follow in the footsteps of the person that, that raised them, I pray that you would just release any limitation that the enemy has put on any student's life, any, any adult's life. Um, I pray that you would help me get out of the way of the Holy Spirit and that you would just, um, I don't know, man, like I just, I just want you to be in the room. I just want you to talk to us. Uh, the whole point of us gathering here is to interact with the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, we love you, and we give you the praise and the honor. So your name I pray, and everybody sit. Amen. Amen. Have a seat. Have a seat. Um, so my name is Josh. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, shut up. God, let me, let me preach. I only have like 25 minutes. Um, my name is Josh. Uh, this is my beautiful, oh my God, you're just crazy beautiful. This is my soon-to-be wife. Yeah. Um, life's happening. I'm getting married next month. I'm, we're, we're moving into a place. I, so we're at, we're, it's okay. So funny thing, um, and I hope you think it's funny. Otherwise, it's going to be inappropriate, but it's not. Uh, so I, was, I posted on Facebook the other day. I was like, hey, in search of a queen bed, Gabby and I are moving into a new place this weekend. But we're not married, so there was an implication that maybe we're moving in before we get married. So my mom, love her, but she posted uh, just like, you know, a middle-aged white woman would, you know, just to clarify, hey, uh, they're moving in separately. They're not moving, they're, they won't be living there together until February 23rd. And just to ruffle some feathers, I deleted that comment just to see. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. Hey, any note takers in the room? Yeah? Um, hey, if you're not a note taker, uh, not going to say everybody else is better than you, but it's better if you take notes. Uh, so if you have your phones, just type, if you, if, just type one thing. Uh, if, you're, if you're writing down, uh, typing whatever, take notes, just put in 
No one else is coming. Okay, no one else is coming. Well, the first, the first thing that comes to mind when I, when I hear the phrase, no one else is coming, I, it makes me think of like uh, Benghazi, where it's like, man, we can't, we can't give you aid because of what's going on around you. So you have to figure it out, right? You have to figure out, hey, how do I get out of this situation that I'm in without aid, without help? Um, the title, no one else is coming. Let me, let me read Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10 real fast. Um, or excuse me, we're, gonna, we're just going to do uh, 9 through 10. So just 9 and 10. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. In your notes, the title, real fast, no one else is coming. <clears throat> um, so I grew up in Texas, uh, which is the greatest country on earth. Um, everything's better, everything's bigger, and barbecue here is not barbecue. Uh, it's just smoked meat. That's all it is. It's not real barbecue. You don't have real barbecue sauce in New Mexico. I love New Mexico, land of enchantment, but um, barbecue sauce here is less than enchanting. It's kind of boring. Uh, I'm from Texas. I, I love Texas, but I, I, I grew up playing, playing ball, you know, different. I played play baseball, basketball, football. Uh, didn't play tennis because tennis is a stupid sport. Um, unless you play tennis, unless you play tennis, I'm sure you're great. Uh, but I hate tennis personally. Um, I know, don't care about Serena. <laughs> I care, care about Dak Prescott. That's what I care about. I care about Russell Wilson. You know what I mean? Athletes. But I grew up in Texas. Okay, whatever. Get over it. All right. If you like Serena, I'm not going to be here next week. It's fine. Kyle's going to be preaching. Um, so I, I grew up in Texas playing ball. And typically when I walk around New Mexico, you know, not everybody in New Mexico is very big or even tall, you know, like just around here, I'm, I tend to be one of the bigger guys in the room. So when I tell somebody I'm from Texas, they're like, oh, did you play ball? And I was like, yeah, I played ball, but I wasn't always as big. Um, when I, growing up, it wasn't until I was like 18, 19, where I started like, you know, actually getting some size on me. In high school, I was like five foot 11, pimply, scrawny. And I had the same hairline, which now my hairline's fine because I'm a little older. But when you're 16, you have the hairline of, the, of your dad, who's in his 40s. It's not that cool. So I, I, I say all that to, to get to the point. Um, when I started putting on weight, it was because we got a gym right next to our house. So my house sat on like four acres uh, right next to the church. I'm a PK. And we had a barn right next to our house. So this, these people came into town. They were like, hey, we need somewhere to put all this equipment. So we were like, cool, for sure. We got an empty barn right here. It's going to be nice. So we get into moving day. People pull up with trailers. Like I said, I'm scrawny. One of my best friends at the time, his name was Taylor Threat. He's about 6'4", uh, like a full ride to Baylor, like a unit. You know what I mean? Like just a unit. Thank you so much, dude. Um, yeah, give it up for that plaid sweater, first of all. What a sick sweater. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, um, so Taylor Threat, big guy. We have to move this piece of uh, workout equipment. And he's like, okay, you get this side, I'm going to get the other side. I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I can do that because uh, I'm little and I'm not strong. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. Just get the other side. We just got to go from here to there. And I was like, okay, whatever. So we get out of the trailer. or we, we, get, we, we, we pick the thing up. We start taking it out of the trailer. I step out, and immediately I drop it. And... That's to it's totally fine until I look up and Taylor's thumb is like 
I don't know how to explain it. It was the thumb did the opposite of what like a regular thumb <laughs> does. Like it, it broke. He broke his thumb is what, I'm, is what I'm getting at. And so he's, you know, he's cussing me out. And well, it, he's cussing me out, but it's significant because he never cusses, you know. But he's just, I mean, dude, every word. And so I was like, I'm sorry. I, I told you I couldn't get it. So I look at my dad, and I'm like, hey, can you come get this thing? And uh, he's like, yes. Let me. And then he, Taylor pops his thumb back in, goes, and to this day his thumb is still crooked. But the, the, the point of the story being like... <laughs> Stop clapping for everything. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what is up with this? Stop clapping so much. <laughs> um, the question is, have you ever watched somebody struggle with something um, that you couldn't help with? You know, have you ever, have you ever like, seen somebody struggling? Maybe it was with something physically. Maybe it was, like, uh, your, some, maybe one of your friend's parents just got divorced, and they're struggling with, uh, with the possibility that maybe it's their fault. Like, in their mind, they're, they've convinced themselves, like, oh, shoot, my parents fell out of love. Maybe if I wasn't such a difficult child or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be. The, the, the point behind the story is like, I wasn't able to carry this thing, but I knew somebody who could. My father could carry the other side of this thing. You know what I mean? And so when I, when I, when I say no one else is coming, the idea is that I can't carry the other half of your load. I can't carry the other half of your weight in life, but I know somebody who can. As a matter of fact, I know somebody who can carry the entire thing, you know? So here's the thing. I always, for some reason, I always get like on the verge of tears and I always get a little choky just talking about the word, but um, I couldn't carry the weight, but I knew somebody who could. Uh, Psalms 55 verse 22 says, cast your cares, um, and then this is, just, this is kind of a brief thing, and then 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares. He cares for you. Um, that's really good news unless you don't know the scripture, right? So if I say, you know, okay, what's your name? Elijah. Cool. Uh, let's, say, let's say, Elijah, you come to me and you're like, <laughs> I didn't have to do that to you. I'm sorry, man. Uh, Elijah, let's, let's say you come to me and you're like, yo, I'm struggling with this. I just broke up with a girl. Well, you're dating, so clearly that's a bad example. Um, uh, let's just say, like, I just got in a fight with my dad or whatever, and I'm just like, okay, have you heard First Peter 5, 7? Uh-uh. Too bad. That key, that, but the thing is, that scripture is the key to dealing with your issue. So it's not, it's not, it's not the fact that First Peter 5, 7 is going to, uh, as soon as I read it out loud, it's, oh, thank God, I read First Peter 5, 7, I'm square, I, you know, I'm straight. No, no, no. First Peter 5, 7 leads you to the other half of the issue, leads you to the, to, to, the, to the solution to the problem, right? So here's the thing, no one else is coming. The whole point of this sermon for the next 15, 20 minutes, whatever, is this. No one else is coming to Bernalillo High. No one else is coming to Bernalillo Middle School. Wherever you go, no one else is coming to the place that you're at because the aid you're looking for, God is looking at you saying, uh, you're the aid. You know? So uh, one more time, I'm just going to, I just want to read uh, verse, yeah, verse 10. I don't know, excuse me, verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Uh, here's the thing. I, I don't know if, uh, I, don't, I don't know what your standing is with the Lord um, in your eyes. Uh, I know you're forgiven. I know you're healed. I know you're called, anointed, stuff like that. But I don't know if you know that. Um, so I just, I just want to say, like, if you're a Christian, 
I'm not going to out anybody. I don't, I don't, you know, it's up to you, whatever. But if, if you say, yeah, I follow Christ. I, I claim the title Christian. I'm a Christ follower. I go to church. I read my word. I pray. I do all these things that I'm supposed to do. It's your responsibility to recognize or at least ask the Holy Spirit who's begging for help. Okay? So here's the thing. Um, I personally feel like my four years in high school were wasted because I, I did this thing where I compartmentalized church, I compartmentalized relationship with a girl, compartmentalized sports, compartmentalized home life, family, certain friendships. And what I did was is like I had a different hat for every for every everything that I was doing. At church, bro, I was I was 16 leading worship at church. And here's the thing: that's cool until I'm not, until I'm not leading worship at church. Right? If I'm if I'm not on this stage with a guitar around my neck and a microphone in front of me, I'm somebody I'm somebody totally different. And that's a big waste of time. Because I'm I'm out here trying to figure out what you want me to be, when in reality the Holy Spirit's telling me, hey, they're begging and pleading for what you have. So I love I love the scripture where Paul gets a, a vision, and I love the language. I love that the Holy Spirit really put it into context for Paul. It wasn't like they said, hey, oh, you're Paul. Can you come over to Macedonia? The Bible says that in the dream, the man from Macedonia said he's begging. You don't understand because nobody's willing to admit it because we live in a generation where the first thing you do when I look at you is, personally, I compare our shoes. Um, that's just one thing that I like, like yellow Vans. I have a ton of friends that have yellow Vans. I don't have yellow Vans. And then I think like, oh man, my, my, my chucks are kind of dirty. Like the first thing I do is, is look at shoes and I'm like, I, I compare, you know, I compare what you're wearing to what I'm wearing. And nobody's really willing to admit their actual situation out loud because we live in a generation or our generation loves to compare, right? So if I look at your situation and I look at mine, my first instinct is not to say, you're good, you're called, you're anointed, you're, you know, you're, you're right where you're supposed to be. My situation is like, okay, either I'm where they're at, I, I want to be where they're at, or they need to be where I'm at. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're not exactly where I'm at, which you will never be if you compare, you will never be exactly where you want me to be or I want you to be. But here's the thing, when we start comparing, we tend to forget that we're called, right? Now, another thing that I like to note in this story is between chapter 16, where Paul gets the vision from the Holy Spirit to go to Macedonia, four chapters go by. And this is where Paul goes through King Agrippa. This is where the snake bites him. This is where the sh he gets shipwrecked, and he's out, like, floating on a piece of driftwood for, like, days in the middle of the sea. And then when he gets to Macedonia... It's not like he goes in the, in the middle of the, the, the town and preaches this sermon that's just like jaw-dropping and life-changing, and it's just like people are getting healed. He's slapping people, silly. He, I mean, there's, there's stories of Paul where his shadow heals people. There's stories of Paul where like they say, they say, hey, can you just touch this rag? And they take the rag back, and they just like go across everybody's forehead, and he gets healed. That's epic, right? But when you read in chapter 20... All Paul does is get to Macedonia. He, I mean, he preaches a few sermons. But the significant thing about him going to Macedonia, it was, was not how epic it was. But for me, what I read is Paul gets to Macedonia, and we read that all he does is serve the people. You know? 
There's nothing epic about serving. There's nothing epic about getting here and doing lighting cues. There's nothing epic about getting here and learning your bass part or learning piano or drums or, or, or learning lyrics. There's nothing epic about that. But when you learn to serve, you start to realize that you are a part, you are, you are a part of an accumulation of things that happen that create life-changing experiences for somebody. You know what I mean? We live for the epic, right? If I can't put it on Snapchat, I don't, whatever, you know, I don't care. If I can't put it on Instagram, I don't care, you know. If, if my parents aren't bragging about it, that was the thing for me. If my friends aren't bragging about it, you know, if, if, if it's not epic, I don't really care to do it. And so what, what happens is, is we feel like sometimes, like let's say, you go, let's say you went to called camp. Let's say you go to church camp in the summer. Uh, let's, say, let's say there's like a really good Sunday here at First Assembly, and it's just like, when you remember it, it's lights are bright, music is loud, people are, people are yelling, people are like getting healed, people are giving their life to Christ, and you look back and you're like, oh, that was epic. And then all you do is, when, when, you, when you start to look at epic things that happen in your life, eventually you start, to get, you, you start to chase the feeling of epicness rather than the um, significance behind what, what, what makes an epic moment, you know? And so for Paul, I could easily see if, if, if I'm Paul, Yo, if I get shipwrecked, if I get bit by a snake, if I'm standing before several different councils of, of uh, government representatives and I, they're trying to kill me, they're trying to, like, put me to death, I'm thinking, yo, the enemy is trying to get me from Macedonia. What's going to happen in Macedonia? Who am I going to heal? What's God going to do with me through me in Macedonia? And then we read, and Paul just goes over there and serves he even makes tents for a little bit. Like, he's got to go back to work, you know? There's nothing epic about serving. But here's the thing. Paul didn't, Paul didn't take the vision of the Holy Spirit with the man from Macedonia begging and pleading as the Holy Spirit saying, hey, I'm going to do something epic through you, right? He didn't, he didn't get to Macedonia and look back at the vision and was like, I thought y'all were begging and pleading for help. Why am I out here making a soup? and praying over people in the middle of the town. What the heck is this? Y'all don't need help. I could have been in, you know, wherever else. But the thing is, no one else is coming to Macedonia. And what God has equipped Paul to do in Macedonia is exactly what Macedonia needs, regardless of the level of epicness. So here's my point. And you know what? I'm actually almost done. Here's my point. You, okay, what, what school do you go to? Yeah. Okay. Use night. Okay. Well, I'm just joking. I'm glad you're here. What school do you, you don't go to school either. You, oh, Cleveland. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just take Cleveland as an example. If you feel like on a Wednesday night or at a called camp or at a church camp or on a Sunday morning at one of your three services, if I knew the times I'd plug them up and you're like, oh man, God's calling me to Cleveland. I'm supposed to start a Bible study. Uh, I'm supposed to start praying for my teacher. I'm supposed to start talking to my principal about Jesus. And then you get to school, and then, like, the first thing that happens is someone says no. You're like, uh, my calling was pretty epic. Why, is this, why does this not feel epic, you know? I, has anybody, has it ever happened to anybody where you're just like, oh, I felt so, like, epically called, and now I'm in Bernalillo. I love Bernalillo. I, th- I mean, I love, I love Kyle. I love Emily. Uh, but to be honest with you, no, 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 because I'm about to rag on your town for a minute. Um, I hate driving through Bernalillo, like everybody else. Uh, I wish Bernalillo, I wish everybody would evacuate and someone would nuke Bernalillo and probably speed up construction a little bit. You know, like I hate, I hate driving through 528 or 550. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm moving to Santa Fe to avoid. <laughs> no, it's kidding. Uh, but the thing is, is like, I can't tell you of a less epic town than Bernalillo. You know what I mean? Great people. Great people. Um, there's Wong Dong right off 550. That place is kind of nice. Uh, then there's Sonic. I mean, you got some few, you got a few things, but, but, but for real, I mean, if we can be honest, uh, I can guarantee you at least like eight out of 10 of all y'all, if I was like, Hey, do you want to, if, if, if they put a college in Bernalillo, a D1 college would, and you got a free ride, would you want to go? I guarantee you eight, eight out of 10 people would be like, no, nah, I'm trying to get out of Bernalillo, man. I'm trying to get out. You know, there's nothing really epic about Macedonia. To be honest with you, like if, if you if you go and do a study on your own, you'll you'll find that Macedonia pretty commonplace. You know, Macedonia was the Albuquerque of the United States, like riddled with crime, people getting their carts stolen and and their horses getting stolen and stuff like that. Tons of crime, right? It's not, there's nothing epic about Macedonia, but the thing is. Paul didn't associate epicness with his actions. Paul associated epicness with his calling. And so here's, here, here's the distinguishing factor about Paul in this story. Paul made a decision at the beginning of his ministry to say, I will decide what's epic based off of what God says is epic. Okay? So it doesn't matter where he calls me. My significance is epic. Right? What I decide to do is whatever God is going to tell me to do. And if God has already said, hey, you're an epic person. See, check it out. You're so epic. I died for you. I came down, took on a human deity. I died on a cross, and I stayed in hell for three days. I took keys. I, I went back up. I walked out of, the, I walked out of the, the, the tomb. I walked through walls. I went, I went back up into heaven, and then I sent my Holy Spirit down. That's how epic you are. You were as epic as I am. Like, I loved you so much. You're epic. Like, I, I don't really know how to explain it to you, um, but if you don't... If, if I took a bullet for you voluntarily, if someone said, do you think Josh was epic? You are obligated <laughs> to say, yeah, bro, he was pretty epic, you know, took a bullet, you know? So here's the thing. If I decide now as a high schooler or a middle schooler in Bernalillo that whatever God tells me to do is going to be epic, all of a sudden I don't look at the, at, the, uh, at the visual impact that I'm making and deciding whether or not Based off of that, if, if what I'm doing is epic, I'm going to go where I'm called and I'm going to make soup and I'm going to make tents and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over people because that's epic. And listen, I'm not some, I'm going to tell you, I'm 23, okay? I'm not that old. As a matter of fact, I graduated high school five years ago and I was sit, I'm sitting here the same as you are and there's some, there's some stupid adult telling me like, go reach your school, go pray over people. You know, stay on a cafeteria table. And I had somebody tell me that once. This is stupid, dumb idea. Seriously. But you want to know what made Paul's um, impact in Macedonia a lot more epic and, and honestly a lot more uh, long-term. And here's the main point. Um, Paul cared for the people. Paul put the people of Macedonia over the calling that God had, had given him. And what I mean by that is he said, you know what? I'm called to Macedonia not just to make an impact for Paul's sake, but for Jesus' sake. Right? So, here, so has anybody ever seen the movie Hercules? Yeah. Not the new one with the rock that was stupid or the one that was like you, you might have heard about, but it was also stupid. I'm talking about the cartoon, black choir, uh, you know, goat, 
Hercules. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, the Hercules, you know? The one and only Hercules with the curly chins and everything, like that one. There's a scene in Hercules where, uh, that's the, that's, if that was a Pixar movie, that'd be my favorite, but that's probably my favorite Disney movie. Uh, there's a scene in Hercules where uh, we get to the end of the movie. Hercules has um, given up his power to be with Meg, right? Hades has said, if you don't give your power up, she's done. I own her soul. She's done, right? He says, you know what? I love her. Take it. Hades, he, uh, Hercules signs his name. Hades says, boom, and then immediately throws 600 pounds <laughs> on Hercules. And then this whole thing happens, it, like it ensues, and eventually Hercules follows Hades to Hades. And Hades has this girl. Does anybody remember the girl's name? Meg. Yeah. Yeah, Meg. He's got Meg here, and Hercules is just not ceasing, right? Because after... At, at, I'm pretty sure at this point Hercules has gotten his powers back, and, and so Hades is like at his last, he's at his last little bout. He's like, final straw. This is the, this is the final thing I got to do. I think this will beat him. Hades is standing like on this edge of a cliff, and there's this like pool of, it's like green, and it's like dead souls. You know what I mean? They're like going in circles. They're doing this right here, and Hades looks down. He looks at Meg, who's like half alive. She's dying, and Hercules is like, don't do it. Because obviously he's threatening to throw her in the pool of dead souls, right? Hades is like, if you want her, go get her. Boom. Throws her in. All these gray dead souls who I guess when you die, you're bald. Uh, they, start, they start pulling her down into the pool. And, you know, it's like Meg's out. She's out for the count, right? There's no going to get her. Hercules is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, whoa, whoa, wait. Take, 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 take my life instead. Um... He says, if you can go in there and get her, you can go. You can, you can walk out with her, and you can take her, right? And so Hercules is like, no sweat. My dad's Zeus. It's going to be a little difficult. But as we see, Hercules starts to, he dives into the pool, and all of a sudden, he's like, the, the deeper he gets, the older he gets. And, and eventually, Hercules is like at the point of death as well. But then, the, you know, the climax of the movie happens. Hercules walks out, and what is he? He's glowing, yeah, you know I mean, he's walking out. He got a little swagger about him. And then all of a sudden, Hades is like, you know, I didn't really mean that. You didn't ever really have to do that. You know, I was just kidding, you know, putting a good word for you with my dad and stuff like that. And Hercules just like punches him in the face or whatever, right? And that, that scene's really significant because to put it in, in, in terms of that, I don't know if, if I'm just sounding like a stupid adult, maybe this will help you like relate. Um, your schools are that pool of dead souls just going in circles. You know, someone, they need a savior. They need a rescue, right? And when, when I first started putting this sermon together, because, you know, like Hercules, I was like, oh, I'm going to be relevant. <laughs> I'm going to be nice. I'm going to dress cool when I preach this one. And people are going to be like, oh, wow, the Holy Spirit is moving in this place. And my first thought was like, you're Hercules. You got to go in there and you got to rescue people. You got to pull people out of hell and you got to, you got to, you got to, um, you got to destroy hell and you got to invade heaven. You know, and I was thinking like, oh man, Hercules, I can relate to Hercules because I know Jesus. Zeus is my father. Jesus is my father. God is my father. Let me dive into this pool real quick. Satan, no big deal. You know, I know I'm going to come out, right? 
But as I was, as I was like putting it, putting pen to paper, I was thinking like, this is going to be so epic. And then God just kind of checked my soul. He was like, no, 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 you're not Hercules. You're Meg. You're the one who was in that pool. And to think that for a minute you have enough charisma, you have enough uh, godly deity in you, which you have none up until the point of Jesus, you're the one that got through in that hole. That was Satan's last attempt was to kill Jesus. He said, you know what? You want him, Jesus? Go get him. Boom. It is finished. Ah, Jesus is dead. And then we get three days later, right? Jesus walks out of that tomb. He's glowing. He has beat hell. He has walked out of the pool of dead souls, and he has rescued me. And so here's the thing, man. I don't know if I'm, I like to preach sermons that I would consider sexy. You know, something like, uh, something like, you know, I got like a one-liner that you can that you can put on Instagram, or you can put on Twitter, or whatever. Twitter's not relevant anymore. Crap, I'm not relevant pastor anymore. Shoot. Um, uh, <laughs> or you know, just just like a one-liner, you could be like, you know, you could steal. You know, I, I always like to give one-liners that you could steal. Um, but this isn't really like, like I'm going to get practical here in the next two minutes. Um, this isn't really like a sexy sermon, you know? Like if, 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 I had to, if, if you had to remember one thing from tonight, it was that I am Meg. I was dead. Now I'm rescued. Okay? Now here's the, here's the practical part. Now that I've been rescued, I can show people the rescuer. You know, like to get away from the Hercules thing, like now that I've been rescued, I know, I know Jesus. I know, I know who my savior is. But here's the thing. You keep telling me I'm trying to live my best life. I want my own rights. I want to move out of Bernalillo. I want to do this. I want to do that. But here's the problem. You don't. (laughs) Like you think you do. You think you want the things that you want right now. But to be honest with you, you want them because you see other people with them. You're just looking at the other dead souls going around in the pool thinking, man, they look cooler than me. Man, they have the, they have the car or whatever, you know. They have that thing that I want. They have the time that I want. They have the scholarships that I want. They have the girlfriend that I want. They have the shoes that I want. They have the parents that I wish I had. They have the, the friends that I wish mine were. And here's the thing. You're just dead people fighting over dead stuff. Like, if I could just be honest with you, just to bring a little perspective to your life, I, I, don't, I don't know what you value. I hope it's church. I hope, it, I, hope it's, I hope it's your relationship with the Lord. But, like, until you realize that you're not Hercules, you're Meg, you're just fighting over stuff with dead people. It doesn't matter what you have. Honest to God, and this is a big thing for me because I just got my hair cut. It doesn't matter how fresh your fade is. It doesn't matter how nice your outfit is. It doesn't matter how good you preach, to be honest with you. It doesn't matter what you walk in here with. It doesn't matter what phone you have. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. The thing is, is... When you go to sleep at night, you know in the, in, the, in the heart of hearts of your being that there is somebody in a land of Bernalillo begging and pleading for your help. Begging and pleading for just you to just come and, hey, do, come, come here. I know you have the Lord's presence. Come here and do what God is asking you to do in Bernalillo. Stop trying to get out of Bernalillo thinking that what you're looking for outside of Bernalillo isn't here. Because here's the problem. You'll always find that no matter where you go, 
God is not calling you to where he is trying, you know, I wrote it down. I'm not going to mess it up. <clears throat> Shoot, where? No, I wrote it down, dude. No, 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 I didn't. God, oh, no, I did, I did, I did, I did. It's the next page. Stupid, I'm so sorry, guys. I just killed all my momentum. God calls you to where he is, not where he's going. So here's what I mean. Just to put it in its simplest form, if God is omnipotent, if we believe that God is everywhere, that means God is in Bernalillo. And if you're in Bernalillo, that means God has put you in Bernalillo, you know? So God's not saying, hey, I'm going to UNM, you should follow me. God's saying, hey, I'm sitting in your classroom dancing over the student. The Bible says that when you're asleep, he dances over you. Like that's how much he loves you. That's how much, that's how much joy you being alive, him creating you, gives him. But here's the thing. God is in Bernalillo. God's in Bernalillo High. God's in Bernalillo Middle School. God's in this church, man. God is, when you sleep, he's, the Bible says he's dancing over you. So here's the thing. My whole point tonight, and I pray to God some, somebody catches this because this, this is not a cool message. This is kind of a boring message. Had, honestly, Kyle, had, had God said, preach whatever you want, I wouldn't have preached this one. But I've just been feeling in the past few months, like especially... So in Santa Fe, we just started our youth group like four months ago, and I'm just realizing like that we, I've been I've been a little out of touch, if I can be honest with you. But as I'm getting back into the repetition of being a youth pastor, I'm just realizing like I didn't care a whole lot, but y'all don't care at all, <laughs> and I get it. Why should you? Why should I go to church? I get it. My parents are Catholic, so I'm just gonna do the thing and you know drink the whatever, and that's it. Like I'm good. You know, I'm going to do it until I'm 18. I'm going to get out of the house. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I get it. Honest to God, I rode my dad's coattail through religion for middle school and high school and probably up till I was like 19, 20 when I was already in ministry, if I'm being honest with you. But here's the thing. I can't do what God's calling me to do off my dad's anointing, off my dad's blessing. I can't do what God's calling me to do as soon as I start to think it's cool. Because here's the thing. God's going to honor what you honor. God's going to value what you value. You better have the right values. So Paul immediately made the decision to value what God values. Therefore, my, my, my level of, my scale of what's cool and what's not is not determined by the outcome of what God has called me to do. My, 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 my scale, my epicness is determined by what God is asking me to do. By the request itself. God is speaking to me saying, you need to go to school tomorrow and, practically speaking, put my name in a conversation. Like at its, <laughs> at its simplest form. You know, you can go home and pray and stuff, and that's cool, but faith without works is dead. So if you pray and you don't talk to anybody about him, it does not matter how much you pray. God's not in it. Like, I don't know if that's, that, that's not really cool to say. You know, to say God's not with you, God doesn't honor everything that you honor in the sense that if it's dishonoring to him, he's going to be in it. He'll value you, you know. But there's, 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 there's parts of the story of Samson where Samson did a certain thing and God wasn't with him. He loves you, but he's got a plan for you too. And so I guess, I guess here's the main point, and I'm going to be done because I'm, 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 I'm sorry, Kyle, but I'm, I'm over time. Um, stop trying to get out of Bernalillo. <laughs> like for real. You're a really cool guy. I don't know if this applies to you, but I just kind of feel like the Spirit's pointing you, pointing you out on my heart. Stop trying to get out of Bernalillo. Uh, stop. You know, 
Like, relax. You're, you're going to be here till you graduate. God's not going to do something supernatural to pull you out of Bernalillo and put you into your real calling, <laughs> you know? God, God will move when you're in college in your life, and that's cool. God will move on Sundays when you want him to. That's cool because, you know, it's the house of God. God's going to be here. But if you can't do it, if you, if you won't do it because it's not cool enough, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, just stop. <laughs> like, honestly, man, like I'm just realizing we're a, we're, we're a culture that values people's highlights but we never look at what it took to get there. You know, so here's the thing, man. Like, you're called to, you're called, there's a Macedonia for you. But that's four chapters from now. Okay. Regardless of whether or not you're on a stage in front of thousands of people or whether or not you're playing in front of thousands of people or whether or not you're working in that, with that company that you want to or whether or not you got your bachelor's degree in, in four years, five years, whatever, we'll get there. You know, if you honor God now, we'll get to that point. Well, God, God says he, 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 will, he will give you the desires of your heart. But the, the only twist to that scripture is that the desires of your heart change with relationship with Jesus. Okay, so if, if I want, God's not going to give you, if, okay, just, I want to have sex with that girl. God, that's my, that, that's my desire. Give it to me. It's not how it works. You know, he's not just going to, all right, there you go. Y'all go ahead. That's not how it works, man. It's like, God, give me the desires of my heart. And as you ask for it, God's going to start pouring into you. The Holy Spirit's going to start using you as a vessel. The Holy Spirit's going to start working through you. And as he starts working through you, he will change you, right? So here's the thing, man. Point blank, stop trying to get out of Bernalillo and start trying to get into Bernalillo. You know what I mean? Like, you might have influence socially, but I'm curious, if you tried to do something for God, I wonder how many people would look at your character and say no. Like, for real. I'm going off on a little tangent here, but here, here's the thing, man. There's people in this Macedonia, in Bernalillo, that are begging for help, that are begging for what you have, and the Holy Spirit's trying to show you. God's trying to show you when you're asleep in the heart of hearts, you know, oh, I should have talked to that person about it. I should have at least invited them to church I should have at least said, hey, uh, I'm going to keep you in my prayers. Something, something surface level, man. But here's the thing, like, God wants you to work where you're at. There's a reason Paul went to Macedonia. It's because he was called. But there's a reason Paul was called. is because he had relationship. So if I, if I could just challenge you with one thing tonight, it's to just be open to the call of God. But at the same time, be ready to serve where you are. Okay? Y'all are great. I feel like family already. I love y'all. Um, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for uh, this group of students. Man, I, I pray that you would just remind them that my calling is not limited to my values but God will call me to the level of my value, to the level of thing, to the level of value that I put on things. I pray that tonight, as we're in our beds, as we're falling asleep, that you would just speak to us, put a, put a specific name of somebody that we're going to see tomorrow morning 
on our heart. Break our heart for the people that are in our city. Break our heart for the people that are in our schools, in our classrooms, the teachers, the custodians, the coaches, the, the counselors, whatever. I pray that just, God, tomorrow you would open up an opportunity in conversation to say, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, have you heard of Jesus? Hey, you want to come to church? God, as, as tonight is wrapping up, as we go to dinner somewhere or whatever, I pray that you would just keep us aware of your spirit in our lives. Keep us aware of the nudging of the Holy Spirit towards a certain somebody or towards a certain situation or a certain something. I pray that you would just move in my life. That, again, just to simplify, to just say, to somebody in conversation out loud, hey, can I pray for you? God, I pray that you would remind us that the obedience that we, that we give to you will be the starting point of something new in Bernalillo. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Everybody said...